Hey folks, it's your favorite bald boy. It's Jeremy. You're listening to Blamo. I'm glad you're here. Okay, okay. What a week. We're nearing the end of um of summer here. And uh, look, I gotta be honest, I gotta confess. Your boy has been on a serious, serious ice cream kick. I don't know what the heck's going on. Maybe it's stress. I don't know. Something about busting open. A p- <laughs> a, yes, a pint of ice cream. Watching TV. You know, late at night, I'm turning into my dad, man. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just slamming this ice cream. There's an ice cream place near our house. And like, we've gotten so crazy, we've literally had it delivered. I mean, this is, this is, this, this could be a problem. Maybe this is me asking for help. Maybe it's my cry for help asking for ice cream. I, I, I don't know, but I love ice cream. I'm doing I'm doing my thing. I'm still doing all my workouts. You know, maybe that's the thing is that I'm doing all these workouts that I'm working out so I can just slam the ice cream at around 8.30. Look, I'm not even going to lie. Like you hear, you know, that, that sound, that, that's the bowl of ice cream on the table. It's on the recording table. I'm slamming it. It's cookie dough because, you know, that's what I do. But what the hell? Um, yeah. All right. I'm sorry. Alyssa Vinion's here this week editor-in-chief of Nylon Magazine. Uh, she came back on and has kind of like helped, you know, like a phoenix rising from the ashes, rebooting Nylon and making it, I mean, what making it what it was, which has always been just this incredible magazine of youth culture, <laughs> honestly. And, I mean, Alyssa is an incredible tastemaker. She's a fantastic writer uh and she's now the editor-in-chief over there and man she has just been crushing it so it was great to have her on the pod we chat about fashion's obsession with nostalgia connecting with designers over brands enjoying celine the rebirth of mark jacobs archival fashion and just the endless hot takes i'm so glad you're here grab your ice cream whatever it is let's go what does a day in the life look like now for Alyssa as the editor-in-chief of Nylon? Oh, man. Um, as the cliche goes, every day is different. Um, I do spend a lot of my time tethered to my computer, um, okay. for better or for worse. My life has been like that for the past decade. Um, I would love to eventually get away from that. But um, I log on around 9 a.m. every morning, yep. scan the web and Twitter and Instagram for news. Mm-hmm. Um, my team all logs on. We get in Slack. We bounce ideas. Are you guys remote? We are remote. Um, we have experimented with going back to the office part-time. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think just everyone's comfort level is different. I feel like we've tried to have a few of our editorial brainstorms in person um, more recently, just because I think a lot gets lost in the sauce when you're having a brainstorm over Zoom. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been doing that. Um, so we log on to Slack. Um, yeah. <laughs> I have a lot of Zooms. Um, I'm kind of the liaison at my company between all of the other departments and the Nylon Edit team. So yeah. Um, a lot of zooming happening. Uh. <laughs> I mean, that's that's cool. I mean, like one of the big reasons why I wanted to talk to you too is I think you have really spearheaded. And it's funny because we were chatting before this, and I, w- I was talking a bit about more that I kind of view you as this '90s person. But what I realized, and I'm I'm admitting my mistake here on the record, is I totally have the '90s mixed up with the 2000s because I'm old. Like, like, cause I was like, yeah, I was like the nineties, you know, um, like Avril Lavigne. And I was like, oh wait, Avril Lavigne. Y2K baby. So yeah, that's the thing. Like I, and I feel like you have really like gotten people more fired up about this, but also it's like half nostalgia and half reminding people that like the early aughts, I guess is how you would say it. Yes. Is still, is still so freaking cool and relevant. I think that was kind of the magic of them bringing back Nylon in this new iteration when they did, just because, um, of course, Nylon was founded in 99. So it was technically right. the 90s still. But um, yeah, I think that between the crazy fast cycle of just fashion nostalgia and then all of the Gen Z 
kids on TikTok and in music and in entertainment, um, really latching onto the aesthetics of the 2000s. And then something that has been really interesting for me to watch is just all of the young Hollywood and young musicians wearing vintage fashion from the 2000s on the red carpet instead of just a new off the runway piece. Um, that's been really fun to watch. But yeah. Like whom? Like, I, I know everyone's into, what's his face? The guy who, Austin Butler, the guy who plays Elvis? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so there was an award show last night. There were uh, the V, not the VMAs, the MTV Movie and TV Awards. And Olivia mm-hmm. Rodrigo, my my girl, uh, she wore a vintage Jean-Paul Gaultier dress on the runway. And like Bella Hadid did her whole Cannes Film Festival tour and she was wearing like vintage Versace and vintage Chanel. And instead of just like going to a designer and saying, I want the newest thing that was on the runway two weeks ago, like it's been really interesting to see how people are educating themselves about archival fashion. And of course, it's more sustainable, you know, vintage shopping. Um, And yeah, I'm really into that. Are you, is that something that like you feel like a lot of people are into just because it's it seems cooler or do you think they're like more into it on the the sustainable front because like for me i'm i'm not anti-sustainability let me be very clear but like (laughs) i'm just more into things that have a little bit more character to Mm -hmm. them than something that's like brand new that you know or, or or like an adidas collab like everybody's freaking collabing with adidas right now totally whole other story i think it's kind of a perfect storm of different things. So the sustainability piece, I think, is definitely at top of mind for a lot of young consumers. And also just the ability to go somewhere like Depop and not oh, only yeah. sell your old things, buy other people's things, and also kind of getting a window into their world. Like you can go on Depop and you could style your stuff in a really interesting way. And like the product shots can look really cool and you can write very like poetic right, or funny right, right. Captions. And so I think that whole secondhand economy has really driven the interest in secondhand shopping. Um, Also, I just think this could be, you know, neither here nor there, but I think that people are kind of tired of going on Instagram and seeing all of the people and influencers you follow in the same head-to-toe runway look that they're getting gifted by a brand or paid for by a brand to wear. And I think when you're sourcing vintage, it's like very unlikely that anyone will have the same outfit as you. Um, And that is very attractive. So I think it's a a combo of all of those things. Um, And as I've gotten older too... And just, I mean, we work in fashion, right? So right. We, know, we we know too much. Like we know that someone is selling us something for $2,000, but we know what the markup is. We know what it actually costs to make them. Like I have a hard time paying retail. I almost never do it. Right. So yeah. So it's just like, I know too much. Um, so I would prefer to go on a little bit of a wild goose chase and, you know, file through vintage racks in the hope that I will find something not only unique, but more affordable. Yeah, I think more brands and people have realized that it's now the journey of getting it or like the thrill of the hunt more than it is owning it. Like, I'm not a big Supreme guy, but... I still love the fact that like brands will do drops and it comes out and it's limited and then it's gone. And even then, like there's stuff that's like, oh, I've lucked out, you know, way back in the day where it's like, oh, I lucked out and I got this, you know, whatever thing from Supreme. And I'm like, I don't even freaking want this. Like, but I was more into the chase. Do you think that like, and because it's it's interesting, more and more brands are doing this where like, like coach did a drop where I'm just like, what? Like, do you see like people doing that? No, I definitely feel like when I was the editor in chief of fashionista, I feel like we could not go an entire day without (laughs) writing about a drop. Um, I think, and this was probably like what, 2016, 17, where everyone was dropped. Like, right. You know, everyone was adopting the drop model. Um, so I think that at first I was very, uh, taken by that. Just like you said, it was just like, oh, I have to get this because it's so rare and I just want to be a part of this. And What was a drop that you got hyped about that you tried to get in on? Especially um, as someone in the industry. So I will admit I have uh, fallen victim to a Mark Jacobs heaven drop before. 
And that's relatively recent. Like that wasn't oh, back yeah. in t- 2016. Like that was maybe six months ago. <laughs> yeah. So like I saw something on Instagram or I, I'm, I'm assuming Mark posted it and I was like, I have to have this. Um, so I logged on the day that everything was dropping. Um, but I, again, like I think that it worked on me for a little while and then mm-hmm. the novelty wore off. Like, of course, if there's something that I see and I can't live without it. But, you know, all of these collaborations, like I was walking in Soho last night and I saw this neon sign for the Fendi Versace Fendace collection. Wait, and just, what's that? Oh, Fendi and Versace collaborated and it's called Fendace. But wait, they're two different companies. Uh-huh. But they, they make the same stuff. Well, I, I'm, I'm not even trying to like tee you up here. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually confused. Um, <laughs> yeah, I forget what season it debuted, but um, they did like a runway collaboration and I guess the pieces are now hitting stores. That, yeah. I, I just yeah, looked this we've, up. We've reached peak collab for sure. Yeah. Some of that stuff in, I'm not, I don't want to go off on too far of a tangent here, but like, I love the fact that some huge brands are finding ways to give a voice to other designers, Mm -hmm. you know, but some of these things I'm like, well, wait, isn't it your job to design or is it, you know, are you just like, are, are, are like these designers now more or less like A&R dudes of the 90s where you're just like recruiting people. It's like, hey, you'd be a good person to do my job for me. Like, why don't you make some hoodies? Like, I, I'm. Yeah, I, I definitely see both sides of it. Like, you know, I remember how Mark Jacobs, when he was at Louis Vuitton, was such like a prolific collaborator and did all those amazing artist collaborations. Yeah, the which, Murakami one. Yeah, which huge. I, speaking of secondhand, like <laughs> I... The, the thing on my wish list that I want more than anything is a Murakami Louis Vuitton with the cherries on it. And I have not found any that were in like my price range and also good enough quality for me to spend that much money on it. But yes, I have, I look for those, I would say, bi-weekly. <laughs> it's interesting with the Marc Jacobs stuff too, because I feel like Marc Jacobs more recently has had this kind of like rebirth in oh, a way. I know. I love it. I love watching it. He seems so happy. Yeah. Can can you like explain a little bit more on, not, not that like Marc Jacobs had a fall, but just like at one point, you know, and this is like early aughts or mid aughts in, in New York City. I remember there was the Marc Jacobs store mm-hmm. and then there was like Mark by Marc Jacobs and then there was Bookmark. Jacobs. Yeah, Bookmark. He had almost all of Bleecker Street mm-hmm. at one point. Yes. Then there was Jacobs by Mark by Mark Jacobs. Yeah. <laughs> I'm and- like thinking of that BoJack Horseman joke that was like that in the show. Yeah. yeah. And then he was doing... Louis Vuitton. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like people didn't, people like were not giving him the attention he had. And then out of nowhere, it felt like people were obsessed with him again, but he wasn't even really wearing his stuff. It was no. like Mark Jacobs, the celebrity yeah, over the I designer. Think he, I think he kind of reemerged after he got married and got really fun on Instagram and just yeah. kind of started enjoying his life in a in a new way. And he had another um diffusion line. It was called The Mark Jacobs. And that was kind <sighs> of something that I think they were going to try to bring Gen Z into the brand with. But then mm-hmm. Heaven by Mark Jacobs came along. And that is kind of what's capturing the Gen Z spirit now. Um, what's heaven? I know you mentioned it. Yeah, earlier, it's but a Mark Jacobs know. diffusion line, but it's okay. It's very like '90s leaning, like pop punk inspired, like a lot of plaid skirts and no. very large platform shoes. And they also do like nostalgic releases, like they'll you know pick up a movie that's like a little bit niche um, from the '80s or '90s and like make some clothing pieces kind of like educating the younger generation about mm-hmm. um, that kind of stuff. So it's been really fun to watch. And I agree with you. I feel like Mark has gone through a lot uh, personally and business-wise. So yeah. just kind of seeing him like be chill and enjoy life at, you know, this age is, it's it's enjoyable. I have passed him on the street a few times. He's always wearing like head-to-toe goth gear and like yeah. seven-inch platforms, like with his rig vape. I'm obsessed with it. Like one of my last um, profiles I wrote when I was at Fashionista was on Mark Jacobs and I went to his studio and he was just like blowing giant clouds of vape smoke in my face the entire time. And I loved every second of it. He did not, his publicist was sitting right there like, sure, continue. (laughs) Sure. 
Yeah, there's a laissez-faire attitude Mm -hmm. that I feel like he has had. And I, I mean, I think maybe it's because of like the fashion and cancel culture stuff has like gotten so crazy in some ways that like for me, I'm more excited to just see people that like are happy. Like, mm-hmm. and, and I'm not saying, I have no idea of the extent of good or bad Mark Jacobs, right? Like, so just compartmentalize that. But just like being into somebody who seems to be happy with their life and doing things that they love and enjoy and being themselves, I've like had so much joy from that experience versus, I don't Me know. Me too. Like, there's yeah. no, there's nothing better. Like, what more can you <laughs> hope for? And I also do think, um, for better or for worse, so many fashion houses now depend on having a designer who is, you know, to some level a celebrity, right? Like, I feel like Jacques Mou is a great example. Like, you know, oh, yeah. the clothes are very, you know, they're cute. I feel like they have a very distinct customer and uh-huh. I'm not necessarily that customer, but I really appreciate when I see a woman and or a man, you know, and head to toe Jacques Mou. I'm like, oh, you must be going to the south of France on a very fancy vacation. Like, good for you. <laughs> but, you know, he is a great uh, spokesperson for his brand because he's extremely handsome. He has a yep. handsome boyfriend. He uh-huh. hangs out with celebrities. Like, he was gallivanting around France with Dua Lipa. Like, yeah. I mean, that's the kind of... And I feel like you can kind of say the same thing about um, Matthew Williams when he took over at um, Givenchy. It was just like, not a whole lot of press about the first collection, but there were a lot of pictures of him shirtless in the atelier right. and like, you know, with his famous friends, like hugging Bella Hadid or whatever on Instagram. So I feel like they really leaned into the personality rather than like the product. Yeah, that speaks. I mean, because it does speak to the fact that now, you know, people want to have this sort of like one to one personal relationship, but it's like a brand. And so, okay, like Gucci, Mm -hmm. where all these people are talking about like, um, like, Alessandro, I, I always miss. Is, is it Michele? Michele, yeah. M- Michele, like all these people that are like talking about him, like like their homies, like the way that people would talk about Dave Matthews Band <laughs> in the nineties. Like, oh, I'm going to see Dave. Like, oh yeah, this is oh the new God. stuff that Alessandro's I'm making an, is I'm, so good. I'm I grew up in a Dave household, so Dave Matthews is a first name basis. I'm oh. I'm from Virginia, so well, I'm I'm, I'm terribly sorry <laughs> for it too. I also grew up around Dave Matthews, and I was hit over the head with Dave Matthews stuff. If I hear one more person reference how Under the Table and Dreaming is just a smash classic, I'm going to lose my shit. <laughs> I, I won't say anything. Don't worry. <laughs> Wait, are you pro-Dave or anti-Dave? I'm pro-Dave. I have oh, okay. no, I, You know, like, I feel a nostalgic warmth whenever hmm. I hear a Dave Matthews song. He but, has had a somewhat yeah. um, untainted career. I that, that we know of. <laughs> yeah, that, oh yeah, for now, right? For All now. right. Um, but yeah, like I grew up in Virginia and a lot of my friends from high school went on to University of Virginia, which is, you mm-hmm. know, where Dave is king. So every yeah. summer we would all just go and watch Dave Matthews at our local amphitheater and yeah, fun, fun memories. Yeah. Well, I mean, and he's, he's, touring again correct me if i'm wrong oh, yeah right? i He's see i tours. see dave like anytime he comes through town <laughs> yeah it, it is uh, one of my buddies plays uh in he n- not like actually in weezer but he plays as like a backup guitarist like for weezer uh he's not in the band but like those guys like bands like hootie and the blowfish weezer um our lady peace um any sort of like 90s interscope records band <laughs> or stuff like that are crushing it right now on tours like the goo goo dolls just played like a sold out show the other night like i know DC. i got invited to go see the goo goo dolls when they come here this summer i think i'm gonna do it you should i don't think I mean, i've ever seen they're them they're all bangers yeah uh johnny resnick still has the hair from <laughs> from what's it from like what was it like the city of angels music video you oh know he's still got like the yes. wild hair yeah i would love the the hair care routine yeah I mean, those guys, and they still look pretty good. They do. I mean, when you think about it, like, but those, they'll go on a tour and they'll do like 10 dates, make like seven figures a night. And then like, that's their year. So you're done. Rough life. I know. (laughs) But anyway, to to my, some of the thing I was mentioning, like, it does feel like that brands have, like you were saying, have evolved to make one-to-one relationships with the designers of the brand versus the brand themselves. Yeah. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing, but I just, I have to enter all of my, you know, 
shopping excursions or whatever with like a very healthy dose of skepticism. Like I know that I'm being marketed to, and again, going back to what I keep saying, I know too much, but it's, it's just, yeah, I think, um, as I've gotten older, I've tried to, uh, really just hone in on what I like and not what is being like shoved down my throat. And I know Mm -hmm. that is something it shouldn't have taken me this long to do. But um, yeah, I would say like ever since I entered my 30s, it's just like I really am not easily, um, you know, I'm not as easily pandered to like, I really don't see the appeal as much of an it bag anymore. Um, or, you know, a trendy oh. piece of clothing that oh, all wow, of the yeah. cool girls have on Instagram or TikTok or what have you. Um, I just would rather do my own thing. <laughs> I mean, I think that's, that's where it should be. And it kind of feels like nylon has been a little bit that itself too, in the sense of maybe like pushing more individuality. Totally. And I think a lot of that just comes from I think the thing about nylon that I always loved about it when I was younger, buying it at the grocery store and then now reading it online, I think there's always just been a real discovery element to it. Um, Mm -hmm. I remember when I was probably 16 or 17 living in Virginia, um, I I had LimeWire, I think, on yes. my laptop that okay, I that I bought for my <laughs> that I bought for my bat mitzvah with my bat mitzvah money. I bought like okay. one of those blue Apple laptops because, of course, it was the yeah. year two thousand. Um, so like I-, I would find songs to download on LimeWire through Nylon. Like I listened to the radio, but it was like local Virginia Beach radio, and they probably only played top forty. It wasn't anything like indie or exciting or things mm-hmm. that I couldn't find anywhere else. Um, so we definitely try to keep that spirit. Um, you know, whether it's covering an up and coming musician or actor before all of the, you know, competing outlets cover them. Um, and you know, I've talked about this before. I think it's a tricky line to cross because, you know, the big, the big names and the big celebrities are the ones that get the clicks, right? So the indie lesser known folks don't always bring the much track bring as much traffic, but they're the ones who help us build our brand. Um, So we have to find a balance there. But also we, um, I think we try to uh, strike a balance between the Chanel's and the the Fendi's and Versace's of the world and like the little New York-based designer that maybe has a Depop shop or sells their wares online and they only make, you know, a few pieces every season because it's like a one woman or one man show. Um, So yeah, it's, it's definitely more geared toward people who would like to be outside of the status quo and like more celebrate individuality. And like, I want to find something or listen to something or watch something that like none of my friends have yet. And I want to be the one to tell them and sing from the rooftops about how great it is. Yeah. It's marketed for the influencers of the subgroups versus trying to market to the entire group. Yeah. Um, And I think that Nylon has always been really big on authenticity. I feel like that's why it's such a beloved brand like you could open a nylon in the year 2007 and be like this is unmistakably an issue of nylon like the way the models were shot and styled and the makeup and beauty and all of that um and i think that we try to go at it that way too like we want you to be able to get our point of view on beauty just from like the photos we choose or the makeup products we include in a story like i think nylon aesthetically is very specific um right so yeah i i do think it's it caters to people who don't love to do what everyone else in the mainstream is doing they'd rather do right. their own thing yeah like and one of the things so like the avril lavigne stuff mm-hmm. right and which obviously you're a huge fan of and mm-hmm. uh it like tugs on the nostalgia heartstrings yes like what made you start to focus on that because i think it's especially with a lot of other magazines, they're not, there's still so much relevance from that time and era. And I think it's like kind of forgotten about in the, at the speed of the internet. I think again, it was just like a, a perfect storm of timing. So I started at Nylon probably six months before the pandemic hit. And great timing. I know. Right. Um, <laughs> and around that time, we were talking a lot about 
pop punk because Machine Gun Kelly was putting out his Tickets to My Downfall album, which a hell I'll die on. It is a really good album. Um, but he also was in the studio with Travis Barker. And then at the same time, all of these people on TikTok were branching out into making music because once you get an audience that big, what else are you going to do? But like put out a song and get a bajillion streams on Spotify, theoretically, because you have all these fans, right? Oh, um, right. So we kind of leaned hard into the pop punk nostalgia. Um, but you had always loved it, right? I've, like, this is my truth. Like, I was the girl who would beg her dad to take her to see Good Charlotte on a school night in Virginia. And oh, he always wow. obliged. My dad rules. <laughs> Shout out my dad. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, I was always going to shows in high school with my friends, with my dad. You know, I remember <laughs> when I first um, was able to go on a road trip to see a show. I think my mom let me drive to Radford or Virginia Tech, one of those schools in Virginia, okay. to go see um, Jimmy Eat World. Oh, wait, which Charlotte. tour was this? Um, I feel like Futures had just come out. Not Good Charlotte, Yellow Card, I meant to say. Um, oh, Yellow Card. Yeah. The Ocean Avenue like, days. Yeah, they had the, uh, they had like the violin. Yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> they had the violin. And then there was something corporate. They had the piano. I know I could talk oh, about this right. for hours, but I'm not going to. So no, no, it's okay. <laughs> um, I think that, so our, our first kind of cover in this space was Machine Gun Kelly. And I feel like people really still weren't taking him very seriously. Like, you know, can you make the case for goofy. MGK right now? I feel like I think I think that he is a ham and he has a huge personality. And I think from a you know, I'm talking a lot about marketing here and I I'm not a marketing expert, but I feel like he was, you know, perf like perfectly marketable to someone like me who likes that, you know, kind of radio friendly pop punk sound, but also He's he's probably not like the whole rebel badass he like plays himself up to be, but he, he plays uh, okay. the character well, I think. Um, yeah. And like I said, Tickets to My Downfall, really good album. And he did a really good job of kind of diversifying the uh, content around it. So he put out that movie called Downfalls High with Lil Huddy and Sydney Sweeney and a bunch of like the supporting characters in this pop punk scene that's happening right yeah. now. Um, it was really clever and fun to watch and nostalgic. Like it was that whole high school star-crossed lovers thing. Um, and I am 35 years old and I still like fell for it. Um, but yeah, he put out another pop punk album relatively recently. I don't like it as much as the first one. I will say that. But, Very um, few people can can nail it on, yeah, on the sophomore. Um, yeah. But it did spawn this whole like ecosystem of, you know, people knocking down Travis Barker's door to make albums in a similar vein just because like that hit number one. So why not give it a shot? Um, <laughs> and then, you know, Travis Barker also signed Avril Lavigne. So she just put out a new album recently. And, you know, she's just so consistent. Like, you know what you're getting with Avril Lavigne. And it's generally pretty good and fun. At least it's fun, you know, like put on a car and like scream, sing with your friends, like put the windows down. I know her um, album Let Go just had its 20th anniversary last week. So 20 I years know. since Let Go. Yeah. Aye, aye. I remember I put um, Complicated on a mix CD for my friend when she got her first car. I was like a, you know, big moment. See, okay, there's a certain <laughs> era, I think, like, I have very, very, very strong connections to bands that I listened to when I got my license. Like, forever, no matter what. Like, uh, The Strokes, This Is mm -hmm. It, and Interpol's Turn On The Bright Lights. Mm -hmm. That was like my mix CD when I got my license. So and you're I think like I, yeah. veering into the, mm, no, not quite indie I was, sleaze. I was born in 85 and I, um, so I'm, I'm 36, I'll be 37 uh, this summer. And yeah, like I, for me, most of the stuff, like I remember going to see something corporate and do, you know, doing all that stuff. Uh, we would go see a lot of like underground bands. I'm air quoting that like <laughs> in, in Chicago. Um, cause no, none of them would come through St. Louis, which is where we were from. Mm -hmm. And then I was in a band and we were touring around and we were like trying to be like that. Like, I do remember we would play, you know, we played a bunch of like dates and, you know, I was like, uh, opening for like Howie Day. 
Oh my God. I haven't heard that name in ages. Yeah. yeah he was doing, you know, Collide and that's um, the only Matt, how, Matt Nathanson. That's um, the only Howie Day song I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, w- welcome to the club. It was probably yeah, on like One Tree Hill. Yeah, well, right. And that was the thing because I, it's funny to see some of this come back full circle in the sense that like, you know, as we're recording this, um, the Kate Bush song. Oh, yeah. I was talking because of Stranger Things. Yeah, I yeah. was talking to somebody about this the other day. Like, could you imagine if we had had Spotify data when the OC was on? Like right? when they yeah, it's exactly when what they dropped of. like the Jeff Buckley Hallelujah song that no <laughs> one had ever. You know, I hadn't ever heard that. I was probably yeah. not fully conscious when that song came out. <laughs> like I was a baby. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's just. I remember around the time I got my license, that was when the OC and One Tree Hill and all of those like CW shows were on where they really started to tell a story with the music. Like, you know, the OC had the bait shop and they would have the Killers and Modest Mouse and Rooney and like all of these bands that wouldn't maybe get a ton of radio play where I was, but that's how I found out about them. And then I would go to my computer and go on LimeWire and download it. Or I would go to the store. I would go to Target or Best Buy and I would buy the OC soundtrack volume one through four. <laughs> and same, There were four volumes of the OC I soundtrack? I think there were four. There might have been more. There were four seasons Good of the God. OC, but I stopped watching after the third one when Marissa yeah, died. I- Sorry, spoiler, everyone. <laughs> you had enough time to watch it, so I'm ruining it for you. No, I mean, it's, well, and it's funny because like that has kind of never gone away. Like in hindsight, like, do you remember, I don't, I mean, this is much later, but the show Girls, mm-hmm. Right. The the sinks on that show, uh, there was the sink of Robin's Dancing mm-hmm. on My Own, yes. which immediately shot straight up after that episode. That was like um, genius. Such a yeah. good scene. I mean, it's and it's I mean, there's so many things like that. And like that's the good and the bad stuff, I think, because now, okay, like the Kate Bush example, like that song came out in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's like all of a sudden she's having this it's charter it's charting higher on billboard than it ever it gets had higher it every day out. i feel yeah. like i see it like i think it's number six as we're recording right now and then yeah so in the same vein as uh the oc there was one tree hill and they had like a similar shtick i don't know if you watched any of these shows i i spent a I lot of watch time the OC. watching tv when i was in high school um and one tree hill had um their own version of the bait shop in their town it was called trick and they had uh-huh. like they they veered like a little more indie rock. Like maybe they they would have someone like Howie Day on, you know. <laughs> but they also had like Jack's Mannequin at one point. I think they oh, yeah. there was a whole story arc around Fallout Boy. Um, because Pete Wentz dated. I'm doing air quotes for people who yeah, can't yeah, see yeah. me. Um dated one of the main characters on One Tree Hill. And so like the whole story arc, they just address him as Pete from Fallout Boy. It's like one of my <laughs> favorite TV bits. Of all time. I'm obsessed with it. I talk about it at any given opportunity, including right now. <laughs> no, it's I was looking up like other stuff that I had watched at that era. A Smallville mm. was the was the other show. Because that was I it was about like Superman, but yeah, you know, he wasn't I feel like Smallville was one of the ones I sat out. I have not <laughs> I also haven't gone back and watched it, but are there any of those shows that you have gone back and watched? I was late to um Friday Night Lights. I did not watch that when it was Never on TV. It. And then yeah. I went back um, as an adult and watched it. And it's one of my favorite series of all time. Really? Yeah, I love it. It's great. Dang. It definitely starts out stronger than it finishes, in my opinion. Or there was like mm. a really strong first season and then a little dip and then it went back up. Um, but yeah, I would definitely recommend Friday Night Lights if you haven't seen it. Um, something that feels off brand for me that I've never watched that everyone gives me a hard time about is uh Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I didn't know. Oh, watch you're not it. missing that much. Okay. Plus plus here's the thing. Now if you rewatch it, everyone's like, well, you know, Joss Whedon's canceled. Right. Um, okay. I see. But it w- there's tons of people mm-hmm. who worked on that yeah. who obviously are incredible and shouldn't have their work tainted by uh sleazeball. Yeah. So it's just like I did get into the Buffy stuff for a little bit, but like it's very much like Scooby Doo and X Files <laughs> in the sense that it you generally have like the monster of the week, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh well, you should have known this person came from the underworld, and we got to figure it out. Oh, how are we going to do it? Well, we'll figure it out. Well, can we do it? Let's do it. And 
yay, we did it. All right, let's get some food. You know, like that's that's the show. <laughs> yeah, like, okay. Sure. Now that was a close call, you know? I mean, it's like, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I I would say that, you know, kind of going back to my origin story, I it, yeah. the the way that things kind of came together for me in the early 2000s was very 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 formative for me, like, you know, my music tastes, my taste in what media I would consume, you know, nylon was I was I was not a teen Vogue girl, you know, I would go to the newsstand and I would want to buy nylon. Um, you know, the sort of movies that came and came out at that time or the ones that I was finally old enough to watch for the first time. Like it all just really stuck with me in a way that I think is hmm, how do I put this? Like I just feel very much myself when I am interacting with any of that sort of stuff. Like it just kind of feels like this is me. I'm at peace. Like I am super into this. I don't care who knows it. Like it might not be the coolest thing or the newest thing, whatever, but it makes me happy. Uh, So to see it all kind of bubbling back up organically right now, I've just been like, in such a giddy mood because of it. Like, obviously, yeah. I <laughs> I love Travis Barker. I wrote our nylon cover story on him and, you know, just all of the people he's been in the studio with for the last couple of years and churning out all of this pop punk stuff. Um, of course, he walk, works across genres, but like he was really blowing the pop punk stuff out. Um, but yeah, so it's been so fun for me personally, just with all of my appreciation for Travis, like I was a Blink-182 fan in the early 2000s. and Did you have Hurley or were you a Volcom person? <laughs> I feel like I was more of a Volcom person. I oh, also okay. really liked um, Roxy. Growing up in Virginia Beach, Roxy, Billabong, wow. Volcom. Yeah, that was like at every shop, in every shopping center in Virginia Beach. Oh, yeah. But um. Yeah, it's been so fun to revisit that old, you know, Travis Barker stuff. And then just watching him, he's like a reality star again. Like, I, I of course, watched his first reality show with his ex-wife, Shanna. Um, and that was on MTV probably when I was in high school. And what just, was the first reality show? Um, it was called Meet the Barkers. Really? Yeah. You should watch it. It's on YouTube. Um, I think there was two seasons. Um, okay. And they're just like hard partying like 20 something rock star and playboy bunny just like living the oh, life um, okay very very fun to watch um but yeah i've been watching the new iteration of the kardashians and just seeing travis on there it's very like weird worlds colliding you know <laughs> i heard so my brother who's very very critical of all tv at all times said that it's incredible like he loves the new Kardashians and he's like, I'm not kidding you. He's like, it's really, really I good. highly recommend it for sure. Um, there's a rawness to it that I definitely feel is manufactured somehow. Like I don't really think they're being as unfiltered as we think they're being, <laughs> but sure. you know, it, it's kind of refreshing to see them in this like less polished light um, and you know, they curse and just things they couldn't do on E. Uh, on Seacrest, Seacrest Network, whatever. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And I also feel like we get a little bit more of um, a picture into what day-to-day life is like for them. Um, but yeah, I recommend it. And I do really love watching Travis and Courtney together. Um, I think for me, the biggest thing, and this is like not to get so heavy, but it's like, do we love this era because it was like, I, cause I feel the same way. And it's like, I sometimes wonder, do I love this era because it was when I had less responsibility and I was more carefree and the world to me right now feels so like frustrating, um, that I'd prefer to like stay in this almost like childlike mindset or is it really, you know, just that good? I mean, cause like I, when you think about people from, you know, the 90s, were they obsessed with the 70s? You know, were people from the 70s, were they obsessed? But it's like, because of the internet, everything's at my disposal. So I can learn and engage with all these things simultaneously. It's just, yeah. Yeah, I do feel like nostalgia is um, a double-edged sword. You know, when you Fair. rely too heavily on it, like how can you create newness for the future? Like I think somewhere where I find nostalgia to be um a little bit of a hindrance is all of these tv and movie reboots like <laughs> i just i find like myself what? not wanting to watch 
um trying to think of what a good one would be like i know there was a fresh prince reboot um oh, yeah that bombed yeah, the wonder like, years reboot also right bombed. like i just I, I just feel like we had so many incredible movies oh here's an example he's all that you know i watched she's all that when i was a teenager oh, right. and then they made one with addison ray who you know adorable but like maybe not someone who needs an entire movie vehicle. Um, but I couldn't get through that he's all that remake. Like I just couldn't do it. Um, I tried, but I feel like the resources might have been used better if they had an original script or like a more original concept. Right. Um, because it's hard to compete with she's all that. Like that is a fantastic movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that also was stuff where, you know, obviously some of it like I rewatched Mall Rats the other day and mall rats i'm like man this movie's so awesome but there's also some stuff in it you're like mm, that's probably not appropriate now yeah. um it, but in a way and this is not like it doesn't need to be a revisionist history like well let's remake it and let's make it the right way where he doesn't say this misogynistic thing or that sort of thing where it's like it happened it's still fine to like that and why don't somebody just make a whole new script of what that is? But like, I was like, man, I miss the mall. Like I live next to- I miss the mall too. Right? Mm -hmm. I, I live next to um, the mall that I worked at when I was younger. Um, now now I do because I moved back here. But like the, I worked at Banana Republic when I was 16 and uh, in Hollister when I was like 17. And uh, it was at this mall. It was like my life and it was amazing. And now this mall has an indoor pickleball court hmm. and a movie theater that experiential retail it. that's what yeah, gets it's, it's the customers just, in there you know yeah, you gotta play pickleball you have to have like all these activities yeah and everything is shuttered uh they've now even like reduced the overall footprint of the mall and like i go in there and i like get emotional and start crying yeah i it's funny you bring up hollister because talking about how all of the things i watched in high school were so formative like i remember i would watch the oc and Marissa and Summer would be wearing like Hollister tank tops or skirts yeah. or whatever. And there was no Hollister in Virginia Beach or Norfolk, which is the next city over. So once I had my driver's license, my friends and I would like get in the car on a Saturday and drive to the mall in Richmond just to go to Hollister. Richmond was like an hour and a half away. And so we would like go to Hollister and eat at the big cheesecake factory or whatever, <laughs> like restaurant was outside in the promenade and then we would like drive home God. but yeah like i watched the um the abercrombie doc because i oh, yeah. remember how abercrombie just had us all in such a chokehold for so many years and you know i i feel like at that age like i couldn't really tell what was wrong with the way they were marketing it like quote unquote wrong yeah yeah, um, yeah. i just was like oh yeah there's a lot of very skinny girls and a lot of very jacked guys like in the window and you know this I, seems normal yeah and like i didn't realize like oh wait they're all white and have blonde hair I'm like oh yeah it just yeah. it didn't really compute then but now very easily <laughs> like this is a problem yeah. and i don't remember owning any of their quote-unquote ironic shirts that were just like flat-out racist um, but I oh, guess I they existed. I could never afford it. Oh. Yeah, I because I saw the thing too, and I was like, I don't remember that shirt being there. I don't remember that. And I was like, oh, the only thing I had was like the hand-me-down uh, version of the the oversized cargo shorts. Do you remember those <laughs> that had like the strings that hung yeah. out from the ends? I was like, man, I'm so fucking cool. I'm wearing fierce. And uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I remember when that song by LFO came out, and like, I just didn't care what the shirt or sweatshirt or whatever looked like as long as it said Abercrombie and Fitch on it. But again, like the things you do as a tween to try to fit in, like yeah. I, I feel like I didn't have any sort of original thought at that point. Like I'll, I'll admit it, like I was such a sheep. Like I would just see someone on TV or, you know, I grew up in an area where there was like you brought up Volcom, but like a very big surf culture. Like uh -huh. there are no waves in Virginia Beach, but people act like, you know, they're the king of the surf. So uh, I was, you know, <laughs> head to toe in like Roxy Quicksilver. Meanwhile, like I, if you put me in the ocean with a surfboard, like bye, like I'm going to die. I'm, there's no, <laughs> no way I can stand up on this thing. <laughs> Just like float around. Um, Who do you think is going to be the Abercrombie of now? Brandy I feel like Melville. it's Gucci. Oh, Brandy Melville? <laughs> 
Um, the wait, what do you mean by that? So, like a brand that everybody loves and is obsessed with, mm-hmm. and they're just they get so big that everybody's going to turn on them. That's an interesting question that I don't know how I'm going to answer because I feel <laughs> like in today's you know retail luxury retail climate, like as soon as people start turning on Gucci, they're going to fire fire Alessandro and like bring in someone new to just like totally yeah. redo it from the ground up. Um, cause like, if you think Alessandro has only been at Gucci for what, seven or eight years, like it hasn't been that long, but can you remember Gucci pre Alessandro? Like I have a hard time remembering like it was nothing. the Frida Giannini years. Like I yeah. have no idea what it looked like before. Um, and then Tom Ford, right. but, but that but was, that was like, also, I was not, oh. I was too young to know what was going Same. on. Then I learned about Tom Ford for Gucci much later, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, in seven years, especially like to run to be like the the main designer, that's a very long time. And w- what it feels like these days, yeah. And like you know, everyone was very upset when Phoebe Fila left Celine, and now I always pronounce his name wrong. Eddie Slimane, Slimane. Sorry, Eddie Slimane yeah. is fine. Yeah, yeah. So I I have kind of been enjoying watching what he's done with the house. Like I know that people who are Phoebe, you know, diehards are probably like, he ruined it. But I I would disagree. Like I've been, you know, following Oh really? Yeah. Go like on. I just I enjoy the Celine collections. I don't necessarily think they're for me. Um, but when I see somebody in Celine uh-huh. as it is now, I'm like, oh, that's a cool outfit. I don't necessarily think I would pay $4,000 for that outfit, but like go off. Like it's a really nice blazer and <laughs> jeans and I love their accessories. They're so minimal and like yeah. not heavily branded. I'm I'm big into the like not heavy branding stuff. So that's why Gucci isn't always for me. Like I would prefer to wear something that doesn't have like a giant logo on it. Yeah, I feel like but what you just said is also like true level adulthood in the sense that you can actually like and appreciate a brand but not patronize it. Mm-hmm. Like for me, it any brand that I didn't own, I was like it's all bullshit. Like it sucks. It sucks. And it, you know, and now I'm just like actually there yeah, there's good stuff at, you know, XY brand at I actually think there's good stuff at Amiri. I'm going to get canceled saying this, but I'm not going to buy it cuz it's not my vibe. And probably never will be. Yeah. But just like, there's still good things out there. I agree. Um, yeah. I I try not to be a hater. Like, I know that that is um, something that a lot of people, especially very online people, struggle with. But yeah. I, like you, try to find the beauty or the good <laughs> in everything. Like, I definitely, yeah, I, I like to let people like what they like and not yeah. call them names over it. <laughs> Um, I want to talk to you about movie style because I know we we don't have a ton of time, but I want to go through some other stuff. Like what do you, you know, it, lately it feels like that people have really rediscovered movies from the 90s and like the early aughts and have really tried to use that as their wardrobe mm-hmm. from the night openings Instagram to people like Jake Wolf on TikTok who are being like, this is how you dress like this person in this movie. Like, do you see that happening more? Oh, for sure. Um, I think that it's been really fun to see younger people discover things that I liked when I was a teenager. Like, I know I brought her up before, but um, Olivia Rodrigo, she went to the White House last year and she was wearing an outfit that looked exactly like the plaid skirt suit that Cher Horowitz was wearing in Clueless. And (laughs) I feel like she's taken some fun inspiration from movies from the 90s and the early 2000s. And something that I watched not too long ago was Jawbreaker. I think that's from 1999. Um, Great movie. One of my favorites. But all of the outfits you could find at like any store online right now. Like you could go to Brandy Melville or like, I don't, I'm not like super well-versed in the fast fashion stores of today, but like you can go to ASOS and buy head to toe what they're wearing in Jawbreaker. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, it's like, I appreciate it because those movies make me feel kind of warm and fuzzy and nostalgic. And anytime I can fondly look back and be like, oh yeah, I remember watching that with my friends for the first time. Great. But, you know, clinging so tightly to inspiration all the time, it's like, you know, it it has to halt creativity. I'm not a designer or a stylist or anything like that by any means. 
So I can't speak to this like from a professional standpoint, but like I feel like if you're a stylist who's really good at their job, like they don't need to like kind, you know, piece for piece, like recreate a look. You know what I mean? Right. But I do appreciate like it's a fun moment. And I do feel like a lot of the younger stars now are looking back at red carpets from the 90s and plucking those looks and wearing them again. Like we were talking about before, like sourcing secondhand stuff instead of shopping new. I do like that. Um, Yeah, vintage Armani has gone up 300% on eBay. Wow. And I, I, you know, like I hesitate to bring this up because everyone knows that Dolce & Gabbana is problematic on many levels. But, um, you know, how all of the Kardashians and Jenners were wearing vintage Dolce at Kravis's wedding. So (laughs) I feel like searches for that must be on the up. You know, corsets are really popular. And so instead of just buying like a fast fashion corset from one of the many brands that are online, you know, some people are going to Vivian Westwood and like finding vintage Vivian Westwood corsets. And like, not only are you not contributing or contributing less to just the incredible amount of stuff that is pumped out, you are learning about archival fashion, which is fun. Like, I wish I would have done that younger. Like, of course, when I was um, in college, like, I would read style.com and I would go on all the blogs. And that's kind of the way I learned about fashion. I just consumed as much media as I could. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I never studied it. But um, yeah, I, I, I do like that a new generation, like we were talking about with the Kate Bush thing, it's like they're discovering some wonderful things that maybe their parents hadn't showed them yet or their friends didn't know about it. And like, they'll be the ones to introduce their friends to it. But again, I think at a certain point, it's just like, okay, what's next? What are we doing next? Like, why are we always like looking in the rear view? Yeah, exactly. That's what it feels like. It's like, well, what's next is let's revisit, you know, an era that's 20, 30 years ago. Which, I mean, I'm not, it's not that I'm against it. It's just like, it makes me wonder, what does that look like now? You know, like, who is that? I was, I'm on a bunch of dumb message boards. And one guy on there is like, I just saw the movie Hackers for the first time. And, and which, like, I watched when I was younger. And I used to joke all the time that, like, Hackers style was amazing. And Johnny Lee Miller and all that stuff. And he's like, you know, I'm trying to find a Panasonic, um, like, like goalie jersey. Uh like, I, I think it's one of the things that's that was worn by, I think, Johnny Lee Miller in, you know, like wearing like these like 90s goalie jerseys that have mesh and stuff on it. And I was just like, man, like find some other stuff, man. But I, it's like, I also realized like, oh, wait, do I sound like my parents when I told them that I wanted to get like flared jeans? And you it's know? also so, just <laughs> funny to see how I think a good example from recent years is The Matrix. Like there was oh, maybe... Yeah a Vetmont collection and then a Balenciaga collection. And I'm sorry to mention him, but like an Alexander Wang collection that were very much like head to toe leather, the tiny sunglasses, like all of that. And I feel like that probably started um, in like 2017 or 2018. But I feel like we're still seeing reverberations of like constant references to the matrix. Like I remember (laughs) we wrote, um, we do this series on nylon called core club and it's just kind of explaining all of the like cottage core and whatever things that are popping up on TikTok at like an insane rapid pace. Um, and one of the ones we just covered was cyber core. So everyone is kind of dressing again, like they're in the matrix. So I'm just wondering how long it's going to be this way. Like what, what is the next thing that we're going to latch onto and just like <laughs> never let go. Yeah. But I feel like well, we'll never escape the, the grip of uh, the matrix. Yeah. Especially as we get older and I think you get more comfortable with, like, I don't feel the need to experiment as much as I used to where like, I don't, I'm fine. Like I own the Rick Owens thing at one point. Like I'm, I'm cool. Like I still think Rick Owens is cool stuff, but like, I don't need it to exist. You know, like I'm, I'm becoming more okay with that. And I, I try to figure out like, is it an age or a confidence thing or something? Me too. And I, I think about that as well. Like I know what works for me now. And like, you know, we all have our, we all have our body issues. We all have things that we, you know, like. I now am just like, I really love this. I'm just going to use this as an example, but Mm -hmm. the Mew Mew skirt set, right? Like everyone's wearing it, but... You have that, right? I don't. Okay. And it's just like, I appreciate that you can wear that. I would not feel comfortable wearing that. 
Like, I just would not want to go out with, like, my entire midriff showing. Like, it just, that's not me. I've never felt comfortable doing that. So I appreciate when I see someone else wearing it, but, like, I can't do that. And so I think maybe at a younger age, I would have worn something that made me uncomfortable just to be like, oh, this is the trend. I need to get in on this somehow, even though I feel like I look insane or I'm, like, uncomfortable with this part of my body that's out. Like, whatever. Now I just, like, do not care. And I will like, like the picture on Instagram. If someone I know is wearing it, like you look, you look awesome. I'm just going to wear like my, (laughs) my sweater and my jeans. And like, that's it. Like, I don't need to participate in everything. I I participate in like almost no trends now, but it's okay. But, But you still look very good in it. Like, I mean, like you, it's, you look great, but like it's, it, you're, it's more of a confidence thing. You're is t- what I'm like, catching. I think that is really the key. Like, I feel like it's a combination of me not giving a shit about what other people think. Yeah. Yes. The yeah. confidence thing. And also like, I have my own disposable income now. I am very picky on go. where it goes. So like, I'm going to not waste it on things that I don't love. Um, And that's kind of where the vintage thing comes back in. So it's like, if I do want something really flashy or special, I will dedicate a day to like go digging and like try to find something. Yeah, because you you did get a tank watch. Oh, I did. I got... Um, it is not a tank. Uh, It is... Oh, the pen. The pen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I bought this new. But... I will say it's because I wanted the I wanted the Cartier experience. Like I wanted to go in there. You want the red box. I wanted the red box. I wanted to sit down, get champagne, try on all the watches and the beautiful townhouse up uptown. Yeah, like and my parents were with me. It was kind of like a a bonding moment for us. Um yeah. but yes, this was a very big purchase. <laughs> well, I mean <laughs> Yeah. It's that's a thing that I feel like I'm more into now is like things that are also tied to experiences, especially where everything otherwise is just purchased through like a click in Apple Pay, where it's like, yeah, like I get it. Like the, the Cardi experience is sick. Like I, when I was like engagement ring shopping for my wife like ages ago, um, which she immediately vetoed. She's like, don't go to Cartier. I mean, she doesn't care about any of that stuff. I'm the one who's into it. And I went there and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And like, I didn't buy anything because I was just looking and they like wined and dined Mm -hmm. me. And it was, I mean, it was, that's still something that I think people aren't aware of because they're so used to just like a digital relationship. Yeah, I would, I would say my first ever luxury shopping moment I graduated from, was it? Yes, it was college. So I graduated from college and I had Mm -hmm. cancer when I was in college. So I had to go to my college graduation. I was in chemo. I had no hair or whatever. It was was a whole thing. So my parents felt extra bad for me. So they were like, we'll get you. I wanted a Chanel bag. So they're like, we'll get you a Chanel bag for your college graduation. So we drove to, I think we did go to Tyson's or somewhere in DC. We drove up from Virginia and we did like the whole Chanel shopping excursion. It's a very similar experience to Cartier in that they give you champagne and put you in a very fancy little seating area while they bring you all of the bags. And yeah, it was just Do you still have the bag? Oh, yeah. It's definitely one of my prized possessions. Um, But it was in... I mean, my parents and I still talk about that. Like, that was a fun day. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's, that's really cool. All right. This is a series of random questions. Okay. So if you were making a YouTube how-to video, what would the subject be? Ooh, a how-to video. Let's see. Um, I feel like I feel like I could do a pretty good how-to video on how to style like Doc Martens. I feel like I got get a lot of mileage out of my docs. You have like doc like boots. I do. Too, I like, have like proper boots. I do. I have platform ones. I have flat ones. I have like slip on ones and I wasn't always like a docs person um but I just feel like they really have done me a lot of favors recently yeah I mean you've had some pretty cool like punk rock looks <laughs> with with the docs I mean I've seen I've seen them on the ground they're good they're Thanks. great fit. um yeah I feel like that could be a fun one um any sort of like a hot topic leaning styling video could be funny for me <laughs> send yeah. me into hot topic make me like style a few outfits. I went into hot a hot topic around, recently. Right? Yeah. I went when I was okay. in Los Angeles last. Um, it's mostly just like band t-shirts and like a few weird, like costumey looking dresses that, hmm. you, you know, 
same same old stuff that it was always um peddling um but yeah maybe how to uh, like again i said i'm not a stylist <laughs> not my not my forte but i feel like that could be sure. a fun little personality video for me <laughs> yeah uh last album you heard that you liked i just got an advanced copy of the new Soccer Mommy album I like. I'm going to see her on Friday, so I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like I have been kind of like for the past however long we've been in quarantine, like really bopping back and forth between like new stuff and listening to a lot of old stuff like yeah. if i'm ever in a funk like i will immediately put on everything in transit jack's mannequin like i will wow i can't not be in a happy mood after listening to that um what else yeah i i've kind of been listening to old blink 182 a lot lately it holds up it does yeah um yeah, I think those those are good. Yeah. Um, last thing you bought online. I actually haven't been shopping that much online, but I did buy... Uh, okay, speaking of trends that I gave into, um, okay, okay. I really have been wanting to get in on the platform trend. Like, I don't necessarily love the Versace platforms that everyone has, but I'm looking for like a good six inches. So I ordered a like pair. Like a Billie of, Eilish boot? Oh, no, like sandals. Oh, okay. um, not like a Not like a chunky, like combat boot type thing, like a six inch heel sandal with a platform. Mm. So I bought a pair of those. Unfortunately, they didn't fit, so I have to find another pair. But yeah, yeah I'm I'm trying. I'm five three. I'm trying to be five nine or five ten this summer. <laughs> Can you imagine getting seven inches off of your shoes? I mean, that's some serious <laughs> The The Versace ones are really high. I don't know if they're seven. I be, I would guess they were six, though, for sure. Wow. And then I think St. Laurent has some really... I don't know if I want to spend $1,000 on platforms, though, because God knows how long this trend cycle will last. But... I'm I'm into it. So I'm trying to I'm trying to get in on. Yeah. I've not been successful, but hopefully soon. It's tough getting, especially after being in the industry for a while, like it's tough buying anything at full retail. And even then, like there's brands that like I just don't even consider unless I can get some sort of like homey hookup or something yeah, there. For sure. What? Yeah, it's just, you're like, well, I can't really get that and I can't get a showroom deal. Maybe I'll just forget that brand. Yeah, it it, it is real hard pill to swallow. Um, okay, what is, is the last thing? A movie or a book that when someone mentions you feel they understand you? I feel like I gotta bring it back to Clueless. God, it's so it's good. So I good. watch, yeah, we, my wife and I watch it at least two to three times a yeah, year. Yeah, I, again, like if I'm having a bad day or I just need to like have a feeling of calm wash over me, I will put on mm -hmm. Clueless. The soundtrack's amazing. The clothes are amazing. The one-liners, it, it's just, classic anyway swing it so yeah i feel like that is a pretty good indicator of <laughs> where i'm at <laughs> did anyone ever make the like how to get dressed like app or whatever that she has on her computer because you remember at the beginning I she like, like has her little mac there have been iterations of that i don't yeah. know to what level of success they you know had but yeah, yeah i feel like there was there's got to be an app <laughs> there's got to be yeah, i'm I cataloged, this sounds so fucking lame. I cataloged all my clothes <laughs> oh once. Oh my God. <laughs> and then I put characteristics of like clothes because I was trying to figure out like what shirts I could wear with what suits or whatever. And I remember I was showing a friend of mine and he was like, delete that. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, delete it. And he just went on my computer and dragged it to the oh trash. My God. And I was like, yeah, it was it was the dumbest thing I've ever done. But I was, I, the mindset was that I wanted to get like formulaic dressing like Clueless. All right. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense in, in theory, maybe not so much in practice, but yeah, it was awful. <laughs> Before we wrap though, is there something you want to add or mention that I didn't where you're like, oh, I wanted to say this and you didn't ask me about it? Yeah. I mean, I think the only thing we didn't really touch on that we cover, uh, we're covering a lot more now on Nylon is like, you know, we were talking about the Y2K nostalgia that is just bubbling up so quickly. And now yeah. I feel like the rate at which the trend cycle is cycling is so fast. Now we're like in the 2010s already. And like, I just um, wrote a story on the Cobra snake because he is publishing a book this week. Mark. And like, yeah. everyone is romanticizing that time, which I feel like I was a fully formed adult, not quite living in Manhattan, but like almost when this was happening. Uh -huh. And I feel like it's too soon. Like, why are we going back there already? Like, I feel... <laughs> 
It, like just yesterday, I was logging on to the cobrasnake.com and like looking at all the party pics from Coachella because I had never been to Coachella and I like desperately wanted to know what it was like. Um, and yeah. like the Yeah Yeah Yeahs are putting out a new album and like Phoenix is too, I think. It's just, it's crazy how quickly things are coming back around. It, it kind of boggles my mind. <laughs> yeah. I, it's funny because. I, years and years ago, I met Mark Hunter at Miss Shapes. Mm-hmm. Miss Shapes. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. This, yeah, this was like 2005 or six, maybe in, in New York when I was living there. And he shot me up on one of the, one of the parties thing. And I remember I was on there and I like, I was like, I made it. Like, I remember I like called my mom. I was like, mom, I was, I was on this website. It's kind of a big deal, mom. No, and she was it like, that really sounds was great. like, we talk about clout. Like there's, there was no more of a yeah. clout grab than like being on the Cobra Snake. picture for a while. Being on the Cobra yeah. Snake. And it's just like to see how that era of like nightlife and partying and fashion and everything kind of gave way to the Instagram influencer ecosystem. It just yeah. is really wild to think about how quickly that all happened and how it's kind of coming back around again. I don't know. Hurts my brain to think about it. Yeah, it is very circular. I mean, I think it's, I'm into it, but I'm, I'm also just like, it, I think that the hardest part and this is like what I just am refusing to publicly say is like, I just don't like admitting that I'm getting older. I like getting older. Bring it on. Yeah. (laughs) I, you cannot pay me to go back to my (laughs) twenties. No amount of, no amount of dollars would be sufficient. Set me up for the rest of my life. I don't care. I'm not doing it again. Here, okay, this this might be too personal. Do you live alone? I do. Okay, living by yourself is the coolest thing ever. Like mm-hmm. I had roommates so much in my life and I hated it from things where it was like, why did some dummy forget to do the dishes? Or why is there peanut butter on the wall? Because he was in a rush and he like, you <laughs> know, flicked his fucking peanut butter. Like, like the roommate issues looking back on now and like my wife and I will joke about this. We're just like, how did we deal with this? Like what? what? I never really had roommates. Oh, um, <laughs> I did in college and then I was in a relationship and I lived with, well, I was married. So I lived with him for the whole time we were married, obviously, and before that. Sure. And like now yeah. is the first time I've lived on my own. And it's like, how um, am I gonna ever live with another person? Yeah, <laughs> like it is nice fantastic. to have your stuff. Yeah. And I'm very neat and tidy. And so mm. I love my surroundings to be that way. And so if I ever cohabitate again, I feel bad <laughs> preemptively for the person who has to deal with my neuroses about cleanliness. Oh, I'm I'm the same. Like I, if there are dishes in the sink, I can't sleep. Mm-mm. No matter what, dishes they're out of the sink. They're they're either washed and clean, and I don't even want them fucking drying in the sink. Like they're clean, they're put away. <laughs> uh, anyway, Alyssa, thank you so much for your time for chatting. It was great to chat with you. Bye. Right, I'll see ya. All right, that's it. You've been listening to Blamo. We're edited by Amar Lal. Our music is by Breakmaster Cylinder, and we're produced by Blamo Media. If you like the show, tell a friend, give us some good vibes. You can follow us on social media at Blamo Podcast, or send us an email at info at blamopod.com. Last but not least, if you want to really connect with all of us, you can join the Blam Fam over on Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash Blamo. And uh, yeah, you can join our Slack group. There tons of access to extra episodes i mean there's just a whole kit and caboodle over there check it out i'll see y'all soon have a great week